1: They still haven't been the same. And I believe that if this team has another flame out either first or second round, they're going to have to really look at the situation that perhaps they might have to make a coaching change with Mike Brunhoz being out.
0: Yeah, that we've heard that uh, almost in the beginning of the season. But I mean, right now, Milwaukee's the hottest team in the league. Uh, if you look at a team, if you look at the East, once you get past Philadelphia, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, you've got... Six teams within two games of the loss column. I mean, so that's position number four all the way down to 10. I mean, you lose a game, you drop a spot. You win a game, you move up a spot. And this is going right down to the last week. Yeah, it's it's going to be, you know,
1: it, I would believe that, you know, it, it's what Adam Silver and the NBA wanted when they created sort of this play in type of atmosphere where based upon how things will shake up, shake out, excuse me, you have now a ton of teams and fan bases who still believe that they have a shot to make the playoffs that you write, especially with these moves that are being made. And clearly now you look at uh, Orlando, obviously is going to drop back. Chicago in acquiring Vucevic uh, to that mix. They're looking like they're going to be a situation where they're turning a corner. They're looking to try to make a playoff push would uh, be very interesting to see what the Charlotte Hornets will do. And now that Lamelo Ball is going to be out for the season, but Gordon Hayward has been relatively healthy. The Terry Rozier has played good basketball. They still they believe in the mix. Um, recently with a couple of losses, with the exception of a couple of losses, I think if Atlanta does not trade John Collins mm-hmm. and they continue to get healthy and stuff they're going to be a team that perhaps are going to be in the mix. So right there, you have a situation of essentially three teams that I think uh, are are believing that they can be in the playoffs. And let's not forget the New York Knicks. So those four teams right there are teams that are vying, I think, more than ever, getting in the playoffs or better yet, being able to get in that playoff, uh, play-in playoff series.
0: Gerald Brown, Bottom Line Sports Show, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. Going back to the Knicks, they've got 11 games remaining on their schedule against teams with winning records. Let's be honest, first half of the year, their schedule was not that difficult, and that's why their record re- reflected of that. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve credit f- for what they've accomplished. They have. But the schedule gets appreciably more difficult, and now we'll see where they're at. They've, I mean, they've had one win against a, a team with a winning record since February 6th. That's a lot of games. Yeah, they they have,
1: and I think that you know it, it it's kind of a blessing in disguise. It's actually a blessing and a curse because keep in mind, you know, the Knicks have been very terrible in, in, in recent years and stuff. And let's be honest, this is something that was done. You know, and I get, and I mean, again, they they, they were able to take advantage. Of an opportunity to play against teams with losing records, uh, I believe in one game recently when they played against the Philadelphia 76ers since the All Star break, they were in the game and I think they lost by one. They've had their opportunities, and I think that's been the biggest thing for this franchise and this organization to build confidence. And I think the key thing is is that you know now Scott Perry, and these guys, they're going to have to try to figure out you know the right type of move and fit. To bring in there you know Derrick Rose was a guy that they added prior to the trade deadline who has been battling COVID and recovering and now trying to get himself up to speed and stuff so I believe that once Derrick Rose is able to come back you know I think he will be another player and another piece that can really help this team specifically guys like R.J. Barrett and, and, and Julius Randle they're all-stars so I, I think you know those 11 games you know, look, if they go 5-6, and six, I think that's a good win for them. You know, if, if they can go 6-5, and five, that'd be tremendous. But um, it, it's been the biggest thing is if they're going to add another piece and then also how much farther along will it take for Derrick Rose to get back into the groove of things to be able to help this team move yeah, forward. Yeah,
0: you're right. Let me go to the West. I think a lot of people, I don't know, shocked is a good word because I'm not. Beginning of the season, I said, look out. Phoenix showed me a lot in the bubble last year when they went 8-0. Then Chris Paul arrives. Now here they are with the second-best record in the West. Uh, they're, three ga- they're three games in the loss column behind Utah. I don't expect them to catch Utah for the top spot. And now the Clippers are starting to play Clipper basketball. With the, with the Lakers falling, Denver now with the recent acquisitions, all of a sudden it becomes a fist fight for the top four spots in the west that phoenix team i don't know if they're surprising anybody gerald but uh, they're they're for real
1: yeah i i you know i look at i look at phoenix and i say you know again that's kind of like one of those teams where in some way they're kind of like the Knicks. like what is the ceiling for them okay you got chris paul in there to go along with devin booker and uh, deandre eight Ay- young team you add a piece in there he stays healthy he's going to provide uh, a a good asset for this team and yeah the the way things are going with the lakers going back taking steps back because you know the absences of anthony davis and lebron james you've had utah who slipped a little uh with the exception of last night against the brooklyn nets i think you know phoenix is going to be a a team that look if they're in that in the playoffs and they get in that five six range i think that's an incredible season but make no mistake they rolled the dice on a player and chris paul who had been sort of besieged uh, with injuries prior to his time in oklahoma city he goes there and he makes you know he works wonders with that young franchise getting them into the playoffs and now Phoenix rolls the dice and they brings him in there. And I think everything has worked out well for them. I think that if there's anything where you could say maybe positive that might have come out with stop, the stop, the stoppage of play during the COVID pandemic was being able to have a player like Chris Paul to be able to have that time off to be able to utilize saving his legs and being able to preserve his body. Because, again, this will bode well for the franchise, especially if he's able to stay healthy and giving the confidence to a young team to be in a situation to have a veteran who's been there and done that.
0: Well, you, 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 you said it right. Uh, this is a young team. And because they are a young team, their lack of experience on the big stage is noticeable. But Chris Paul has been on that big stage. Now, can he be the guy that can show him what what's going on when you get into the postseason where they haven't been before at least in recent years i think he can do that but you're right uh he's got a history of injuries and i mean he's any any game all of a sudden the knee goes the wrong way the ankle goes the wrong way and he's out for a couple of games and for lack of another explanation they're screwed
1: yeah yeah and i think that's the biggest thing that it's like i said before it's a huge huge re- uh, risk i thought like i said when chris paul got that big contract from houston i said there was no way in the world that they would be able to move him at his age god bless him he's got his money he goes to oklahoma city i thought that clearly if he was ever going to have any aspirations a plan for a championship he was going to have to be bought out which is obviously wasn't going to be the case for oklahoma city but what he was able to do was able to uh, advance his his career and be in a situation became very attractive to the phoenix suns and like we said it's a roll of the dice and i think that's the biggest thing that they will have to do monty williams going down the stretch is be in a situation that you have to be in a be able to manage his minutes while you still remain competitive and try to win games
0: coach of the year quinn snyder
1: uh oof, i would you know i i wouldn't argue with that i mean you know, you might have to give some kudos to Tom Thibodeau if they're able to make the playoffs. But I mean, what 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 Snyder has done with that franchise? I mean, let's be honest. They made the playoffs last year. I, you know, is it a new is it a new organization? Is there anything that we didn't expect? Not granted, did we expect Utah to be the number one overall seed? Absolutely not. But we did kind of expect them to be a playoff team you know, and, and, and what they were able to do do. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, could you give some votes to maybe a guy like, if they end up winning the Eastern Conference, uh, a guy like uh, Doc Rivers, do sure. you, you know, if they're able to do some of the stuff that they've been able to do. Um, it, it just remains, it remains to be seen. But I think on the surface, you would have to really look at perhaps maybe Quinn Snyder and say he's the uh, early favorite to say perhaps winning um, the coach of the year,
0: appreciate your time, Gerald. As always, you stay safe. Thanks,
1: Howard. would appreciate it. And one last note I actually stand corrected. You're
0: right, Norman Powell. He's going to Portland for Gary Trent Jr.
1: Wow. Uh, interesting that Powell is added to this team right there with the Trail Really interested to see how it pans out there. I think he's very athletic, but it'd be very interesting. And now you have back. Gary Trent Jr. I think is a tremendous asset uh, going to Toronto. So be really interested to see exactly if they decide to move on from Kyle Lowry and move Fred VanVleet in that, that mix. How a guy like Trent Jr. mixes in with the Raptors? Very
0: interesting. Thanks, Gerald. You have a great day.
1: You stay safe. Appreciate it.
0: Gerald Brown, Bottom Line Sports Show, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. Wow. Last minute breaking news. On Howard David Live. I love it. We're going to check in with a guy that, to me, he's my favorite writer. He is the lead columnist of the New York Post. He's Mike Vaccaro. Hello. And Mike joins me now. Hi, Mike. Howard David. How are you today?
2: Howard, how are you?
0: I loved, and I texted you and I told you, I loved the Frank Galvin <laughs> reference the other day about... Um, and talking about the Knicks, he says, there are no other cases, this is the case. And people don't remember, Frank Galvin was the character played by Paul Newman in The Verdict, which was a tremendous movie. And I don't know how many times, the second time, no, the first time I saw it, I kept jumping up from my seat saying, come on, stop screwing this guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's uh, it, it like inspired, inspired by... Uh... Uh, you and other readers who were very fired up to see the Frank Calvin quote, I watched uh, I watched about, you know, maybe half an hour of the verdict last night. Good, just, a, just a great movie that, hold, that holds up.
0: How many times, and I've done this myself, how many times do you think about a line from a movie and found a way, aside from the one you used, found a way to incorporate it into an article?
2: A lot. I mean, you know, movies are kind of my thing. Uh, movies... Yeah, song lyrics. Probably using with, with song lyrics, is that you generally tend to date yourself. Because, yeah. You know, I use a lot of I use a lot of uh, Springsteen, a lot of Who, a lot of a lot of Beatles. Uh, I, I don't tend to use a lot of uh, shall we say modern artists. Not, not a lot of Taylor Swift references in my college. So uh, that does tend to date me. I, I I am a little more modern when it comes to movies. So I, mean, I, I will if I'm going to quote something from a movie. There are times that I will be able to quote one from something that was in the last six months. That doesn't
0: usually happen on the song. Well, I'll give you one, and you can use it, and, and I'll, you can pick the spot. If a player complains about officiating and at the end of the game his team loses, you can use the line that Sonny used in the Bronx Tale. Nobody cares.
2: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's funny. I mean, you know, the Bronx Tale was a... Uh, you know, there was a line that uh, said that that, that, uh, that uh, the Robert De Niro character. Oh no no, I guess it was funny. We talked about you know, you know why why do you care about Mickey Mantle? Mickey Mantle doesn't care about you. Right. It was actually a, that was actually a piece of advice my father gave me years ago when Tom Seaver got traded. <laughs> I was and I was down the mouth for a, you know for a week and he said you know Tom Seaver doesn't really, really care what happens to you every day. Why do you care about him? Uh, and of course, he was really just 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 breaking my chops because he was a big he was a big sports fan too. So I think he was a little bummed about that as well. Do you ever he was get trying to make me feel better?
0: Yeah, uh, Mike. Do you ever get caught up uh, uh, with a love for a team or a love for a player, and it doesn't doesn't change your thought about what you write, but maybe you think about things a little bit differently? Do you let that influence you?
2: Um, you know, it's, it's hard not to. We're all, it, it's all. we're all human nature if if, if you like a guy you're probably going to get the benefit of the doubt um i I think you see that a lot you know in in our line of work when it comes to a coach you know you know generally tends to be around the same age as you I mean even as you get older i mean they get older you know if, if if you happen to like somebody you know you might not be so quick to fire them at the first opportunity um you may you know you know, and, and sometimes that's not great either. I mean, you want, you want to try and, you know, ideally you would like to get along with everybody and everybody would understand that if you have to try, try for you to fire them, and nothing personal, no hard feelings, but it uh, doesn't always work that way.
0: Mike uh, Vaccaro, the uh, leading columnist for the New York Post, I'm sure it's happened a hundred times or more. Ever get pushback from a reader with something that you've written?
2: Yes, you know, one, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, one of the things about the, having your email address in the paper every day is that they know how to find you. And, uh, you know, if that wasn't enough now, we're, you know, you're generally available on Twitter so you can find you there, too. So if they ask me they want to say to you, uh, you're, you know, they're not going to be bashful about to put it that way.
0: Yeah, you're right. So so therefore, why do you put your email address on at the end of your column?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, no one ever asked me you know, my opinion on that, so <laughs> I just kind of roll with it, but you know what, I, I also don't, I also generally like the interaction with readers, even anger readers, and I won't respond to, you know, I can't, I can't respond to to all of them, because, I mean, gosh, because, you know, because that, you know, that email's available to everybody, I just, you know, sometimes get lots and lots of emails, but I do try and, tr- you know, I, I, I try to respond to as many as I can, as long as they keep it. You know, somewhat civil. Um, I don't respond to the, uh, I don't respond to the ones who uh, kind of drown themselves in profanity or, 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 you know, any kind of other attacks. But uh, you know, what do you do? That's the, 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 that's the world we live in right now, right? Yeah.
0: Well, it, it, it look sports arguments are, uh, particularly uh, with your friends. Everybody's got a difference of opinion. You know, you like this guy. I don't like this guy. Uh, this broadcaster sucks. That one is great. It's a, we're in a subjective business in broadcasting. So that that's part of the territory But that's right. I mean you look at uh, there's more arguments particularly now and certainly over the last four or five years political arguments and how it's divided families and friends and so on and uh, And your newspaper on the front page. I mean basically is it was pro-Trump and now is anti-biden anti-cuomo It's part of the territory so that enlists a lot of arguments, but I don't want to get into politics. I'm just mentioning what, what was in my mind, but you're dealing with a marketplace where the Final Four is noticeable, but it's not big news, not like the pros, right? Uh, no, that's, that's,
2: this is a pro market. Um, you know, there are times when a team like St. John's can, can uh, spend some time hanging with those with, with, with the pros. I mean, certainly in the eighties that was the case. Uh, but it takes something extraordinary. I mean, in those days took St. John's being a top five program for, you know, five or six years in a row where, you know, they were kind of treated like a tenth pro team. Um, but uh, that's uh, that, that's far more the exception to the rule and you know, we really don't have a pro football team that we focus on a college football <laughs> that was a pretty flip. We don't have a pro football team either, but uh, but we wouldn't have a college football team that you know it, it really has a has a huge following I mean we might adopt Rutgers you know if uh, if they uh, you know, become a big ten power you know temporarily we kind of adopted them in the NCAA tournament um, you know Syracuse is still you know four hours away three hours away and um, you know Notre Dame I suppose is, would be would be the secondary you know, quote-unquote homeschool just because uh, it's, uh, you know, it seems like everybody's got an opinion about Notre Dame. But, yeah, there's really, not, you know, there, 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 there's, there's really not a college presence here. If St. John's isn't having a you know, fantastic year, uh, college sports are definitely secondary or tertiary in our, in our narrative.
0: When you come to the, he's Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, their outstanding columnist, the Knicks right now are playing uh, the kind of basketball that the New York Knicks fans love. They scrap, they play great defense. Tom Thibodeau's done a great job in in making defense the cornerstone of this franchise. And Julius Randle's had an all-star type season, no question. Uh, I'm wondering if they're a win-for-now basketball team. And they haven't pulled it. Today, the trade deadline ends at 3 o'clock. And I'm just wondering if they're going to pull off any kind of a move that kind of shows where they are.
2: You know, I I think if they do that, it'll be something that 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 might help them this year, without affecting them, you know, very much at all in the future. Um, Because there's really no point in in making a huge push for the playoffs this year. uh, When look, I mean, you know, right now I think they're tied for fifth, um, which is extraordinary given given some of the preseason expectations. Um, they're a game ahead of the Celtics. I mean, you know, they're—I they're, believe they're either tied or a game ahead of the Heat. And you know, those are the two uh, Eastern Conference finalists last year. Uh, and, I mean, the East is a four-team conference. I mean, the four—the four best teams in the, in the East have really kind of, you know, established themselves. And uh, it's—I uh, you know, mean, and really, I mean, it's—you it's, it's, know—really kind of I'll probably reduce that to a three-team. You know, it's the Heat, the the uh, the Bucks, the the Nets, and the Sixers. Um, I I think there are other teams that could be dangerous in the playoffs, but I mean, no matter what the Knicks do today, they're not going to be able to come close to uh, competing with those three, and certainly with the teams out west. So, um, you know, what you want to make sure you know you do today, if you you make any kind of acquisition, is either either makes sense in, in your three and five year plan ahead. Or it's not going to harm you in terms of what you want to do in the next three or five years. Um, you know, if you can get a player that's going to help you this year get to the playoffs, and then you can kind of reevaluate without it costing too much. You know, then that's that, that, that's one thing. Um, I think that's really you know, you know, one of the issues with a player like you know, with like Drummond, who you've seen in the last couple of days has been in the news as a possibility for the Knicks, and you no. Know, that really something that they want to be able to spend a lot of assets on when you don't know you know you've kind of got a uh, the center position is, is, is sort of one of their strengths right now especially when the drops is back um, you know is that is that going to be something they want to you know they want to they want to do so it's it be very, it'll tell you a lot about how how truly committed they are to their uh, idea of of uh, of planning and rebuilding and carefully Building, building a foundation here which I think they're committed to and they've certainly shown so far that they're committed to it under Leon Rose um, but certainly I think uh, you know, we'll have a better idea at three hundred one and beyond when we see what the team looks like
0: Mike uh, uh, before we came on we, we found out that Norman Powell who's on the back page of the post as possibly a destination for the Knicks that's not going to happen he was traded to Portland about 20 minutes ago um, so that was a big acquisition for Portland that they're trying to make a run. Um, and Powell's one of those guys you don't read a lot about. He just quietly does his job. He's averaging about 19 points a game. He's a good defensive player. So I'm just wondering about Kyle Lowry, who the Knicks could have had four years ago if James Dolan didn't put his thumbs down on the deal. Yep. Um,
2: I think Lowry probably makes a lot more sense for a team that, uh, that has a championship window now, a team like the Sixers, you know any of the you know any of the, any of the teams that uh, that I think you know you would say have a legitimate chance to, to, to make a run this year. Uh, I don't know how much of a how much sense he makes for the Knicks. I don't think that he alone will vault them into the conversation in the Eastern Conference. Um, uh, and so I don't know that it makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I, I would love to watch him on the Knicks because he's a fun player. And he's a great player. And, you know, as you say, I mean. They had the opportunity uh, to, uh, to to acquire him a couple of years ago and didn't, and it seems like uh, within with, with, within weeks of that decision is when he blossomed into an all-star uh, level player, and you know, we saw him. You know, Kawhi Leonard gets a lot of the credit for what happened in Toronto two years ago, but you know, Lowry was right there and he had just as many big shots, and you know he was just as important to the to the uh, fabric of what the Raptors were and, and how successful they were that year. So. Um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Knicks. There, there weren't a lot of players you can convince me uh, that makes sense for a contender right now. That would also make sense for the next unless you're talking about, like, if we're talking about a, you know, a, a foundational player like a Victor Oladipo or somebody like that, um, and you're able to, you know, to secure his services for longer than the next, you know, two, three months, then then I'll, then I'll feel differently. But. Um, it's, a, it's a very tricky situation for the Knicks right now because you know, they want to send a message to their fans that they do care a little bit about winning this year. But I think most of the fans are, 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 are already uh, understand that this is part of a bigger uh, a bigger plan, and, and I think that you know, they're ready to buy into that because they've seen too many starts and stops you know, in the last twenty years and plans that you know, weren't really thought out and weren't really committed to. A uh,
0: couple of things. Number one, Victor Oladipo uh a little bit a little bit iffy uh this guy's had injury history the last couple of years once upon a time an outstanding player uh so he's regressed a little bit but, but having said that and long time will tell the fact is, is that here's the knicks that are in a fight to make the playoffs and yet across the river of the nets a legitimate when all three guys are there they'll be a legitimate title contender I watched them last night against Utah without Harden, without Irving, without Durant, obviously. It was sad. I mean, Utah is the best record in the NBA. They pummeled the Nets from, from the opening tip. And at one point, I think they were ahead by 40. They wound up winning by 30. But yet, putting that one game aside, I think it's fair to say that the Nets are a legitimate contender. And yet, the Knicks still own this town from a pro basketball standpoint.
2: Yeah, and I, and, I, and frankly, you know, I don't think that's all that uh, surprising to be honest with you. Because, no. You know, look, I mean, the Knicks had a for one thing, The Knicks had a head had a you know thirty year head start on the Nets of the franchise. Anyway, um, you know, the Nets, you know, want to fancy themselves as Brooklyn's team, and that's fine. But you know, Brooklyn is the home office for Knicks fans. I mean, the Knicks might play their games in in Manhattan, but you know, most Knicks fans either live or have ties to Brooklyn, Queens. Um, the Bronx. I mean, this is the, the, the Knicks have been the city theme since 1946, and so you're not just going to, you know, immediately come in and take those fans away. Um, if, if fandom is a weird thing, we, we, we you know, I, I've often thought there's a, a fascinating book to be written by a psychiatrist about, you know, just the fan experience. Every now and again, you'll see people, you know, they're going to auction their fandom on on, 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 on Twitter or they're going to, you know, on eBay. So, you know, they're going to, you know, you know they'll, they'll sell their fandom to the highest bidder. And those stories just, I mean, I'm, I'm so bored by those stories because then that, 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 that's, they're not a fan. They weren't fans in the first place. A fan is, you know, when you're a fan of a team it's inexplicable, but it gets into your soul. I mean, you're not just going to root for the Knicks for thirty years. I don't care how bad they are, and then decide one day I'm not a Knicks fan anymore. Um, you might say it, you might try and you might try and front it, but in, in your heart, you know that you know what you care about is what you care about. And that, that that's it's kind of the law of sports and the law of fandom, and so that's what the Knicks, you know, the advantage the Knicks always have on the Knicks. Now, the the, the the interesting thing I think the dynamic there is the Knicks, I mean, by far, are, uh, you know, one of the more popular national teams. And I do think that there's an element of of, of professional fandom now that isn't tied to geography. Um, You know, you and I grew up around New York, so, you know, just because of geography, we we grew up either rooting for the Mets or the Yankees or the Jets or the Giants uh, or the Rangers or the Knicks. But, you know, now geography isn't nearly as important because you can watch any team at any time. Mm -hmm. And that goes for, you know, big-time college sports, too. So, uh, so, so you do have fans, you know, who grew up in Wyoming, who were huge, uh, you know, who were huge Lakers fans because LeBron. And they were huge Heat fans, and then huge Cavaliers fans, and they're not tied to the geography of fandom. So they're they, you know, they're, they're 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 tied to players, and I think that the, the Nets appeal to kind of those you know that transient generation. I and mean, maybe over time that will uh, uh, you know yield some results in terms of the Nets being the. The more popular team in, in, in New York, but I think that the, you know, for the time being, and for the foreseeable future, while they're the more popular team uh, for a national audience uh, in New York, it's it's a mixed town, you know. And you know, one or two years, are they going to change that? Um, you know, maybe if the Nets had been this good since the you know the uh, the Knicks went into into decline, you know, or, you know, or you know, at least the last ten years since they since they became part of the Brooklyn. Uh, maybe it might have been different. Maybe you might see more of an impact, but uh, you know, for a lot of these years, the Nets were just as bad as the Knicks were, and so that didn't really help their case in terms of trying to build a fan base in New York.
0: Mike Picaro, the outstanding columnist for the New York Post, the uh, Giants and the Jets making a lot of noise with free agency and the shopping spree began. Both teams made uh, a bunch of gets to address some needs. Uh, the Jets still have some more needs. Uh, obviously, you don't go from winning two games. To contending for a division title but they have made some significant moves joe douglas uh, uh, has been charged with patching up a bunch of holes and put some weapons on the field we still don't know if sam donald's going to be the quarterback of the jets come september or actually uh, after the draft or going to the draft will he be traded uh, personally i think the jets would be better served to keep him and just supply him with weapons that he hasn't had i mean he's not he's had his moments but by the same token what's he had to play with mike he hasn't had much
2: i don't think you're able to get a full read on what Darnold is capable of doing uh i think that's very fair um i do think that there's been enough negative energy surrounding him for uh enough years now and where that just might not be able to be reversed easily reversed i don't care who the coach is uh, sometimes you just really do need a change of scenery. My it's my personal opinion that he probably needs that. I think Sam Darnold could still be a can still be a good quarterback in the NFL. I just don't know if I can have him for the Jets because there's you know, he's now attached permanently to two and fourteen. He's attached permanently to the last, you know, several years of, of uh of, of failure. You know, certainly not all his fault, you know, probably not primarily his fault. But uh, I, I, I just have a hard time seeing it turned around uh, with him under center. I, I mean, now you know it's, it's on Joe Douglas to determine you know how he feels. Does he think does he think it's salvageable? Well, if he does, then the whole narrative is different. Is he committed you know to somebody uh, you know like Zach Wilson? I mean, is he committed to someone you know, you know name your major quarterback you know besides Trevor Lawrence who they're not going to get. Um, if he is, then I mean, then then, then that's the way it's going to be because I mean, but you have to be committed. I mean, you have to say this is our guy no matter, no matter what. Uh, the last thing the Jets can afford to do in terms of you know in, in, when it comes to the quarterback is is you know a series of half measures. Uh, you're either in with the guy, or you're out with the guy. You got to figure out who that guy is. For better better worse and then take your chances. I think uh, with those chips on the table.
0: See, with the Giants, it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones. All right, he has not been a world beater. But, but to be fair, he at least you see some signs now. They, they're giving him uh, a guy like uh, uh, Galladay, Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions. Uh, is he a premier receiver? I think he's a good receiver. I don't think he's an all-pro receiver. He had over 1,000 yards in receptions last year, and that's true. But by the same token, I, I look at what the Giants have, and they'll get Saquon Barkley back, which is a big deal. Uh, and you, you've already got Shepard, you've got uh, Slayton, you got, you've got some uh, Darius Slayton, you've got some guys, uh, e- Evan Ingram at tight end, they've newly signed Kyle Rudolph. We don't know about uh, the, the contractual situation. He supposedly did not pass his physical, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. But at least the Giants, uh, they make th- their leap from where they were to where they have to get is not as deep as what the Jets are, are being charged with.
2: Well, not only that, but they have a division that 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 you know. I mean, it's not going to be as bad as it was last year, but they have a division where you can you know, win a couple of games and suddenly you're going to be in in, in a fight for the division title right. until the very end. I mean, the Jets, unfortunately, for the next couple of years, after having escaped 20 years of Patriots dominance, I mean, they certainly have uh, you know one of the two or three best teams. In football, in their own division, the Bills, and their own division, which they, they've only gotten better, so it's going to be a, whole, a lot harder mission for the Jets. And we're looking at the, the Patriots still there, and they're going to re, they, they're going to reload, and the Dolphins are, are, are you know are sneaking good too. So, um, you know, that makes their mission all you all the harder because you're talking about you know six built-in games a year against harder teams than the Giants have to face. So the Giants, you know, are going to be farther along for no other reason than the fact that they're they're, they're going to be dealing with a a far more competitive division. And so there's an avenue to the playoffs that you you don't have to worry about the other great teams in in their conference. I mean, if you can win eight or nine games, you're going to wind up probably in the playoffs because you'll be the NFC East champion. And that's not going to be the case in the AFC East.
0: Let me ask you before I let you go, Mike, about baseball is getting ready to start shortly. Uh, Mets and the Yankees uh, Both good baseball teams uh, Pitching is, is an issue with both Like it is with every team But uh, the Yankees are still considered to be a Formidable in their division uh, The Mets got a little bit of a tougher task The Braves are still good Philadelphia is good Washington's good Both have outstanding pitching uh, it, it, I mean the Mets and the Yankees This once upon a time When I was growing up Was a National League town uh, Because you had two National League teams But Throughout it all, as much as I've hated the Yankees since I was a little boy, because they used to beat the Dodgers in the World Series, that's why. And I was a Dodger fan. But having said that, the Yankees uh, have, are always primed to win now. They're always primed to win a championship. How close do you think they are? Well,
2: I think that, uh, that, that, that any team in baseball— isn't as close as they want to be because of the existence of the Dodgers, who I think are far and away the best team in in sports. And sorry, yep. they're the Los Angeles Dodgers now, unfortunately, not representing not representing the old neighborhood in Brooklyn. But I mean, they're they're that much better than everybody else. So now I think the Yankees can you know definitely have a path to the World Series. I mean, I think they're the best team in the East. I mean, all due respect to what Tampa Bay does. I mean, I think that the Yankees are better than they are. Um, you know, the the playoffs are crapshoot, but I think that you know they can certainly. Uh, I, I think their path to the, to, to the World Series is better this year than it's been in past years. they can stay healthy, but, of course, it's a big if because uh, you don't have to worry about the Red Sox this year so much. And You know, the teams in the Central are, are good, but they're not as good. Um, you know, now West, who knows who's going to emerge there. So I do think the Yankees uh, it can be the class of the American League until they run into the Dodgers. Uh, you know, in the same way, I think we talked about football. I think, I think the Mets' task is a little harder than the Yankees because while I do think they have, certainly they have the, the talent to be able to win 94, 95 games, the fact is that they're playing 19 games against the Braves, 19 games against the Nats, and the Phillies are going to be you know, difficult. And look, the he ever seems to forget the Marlins made the playoffs last year. So, um, you know, just because of the way that those teams are going to beat each other up, it's going to be very – I think it's going to be uh, difficult for the – uh, for the second-place team in that division to actually get the wild card, I think you know, you're going to concede probably one of the wild cards to the to the Padres because they're so loaded. And, you know, they you know, outside of, outside of the Dodgers, they're probably the second-best team in the in, in the National League. But you know, just because of the nature of, of beating each other up, I mean, you're talking about second place in the East, maybe only winning 86, 87 games, and is that going to be enough for the second you know wild card? I'm not so sure it will be. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, look, I mean, you know, I, I think if nothing else, both teams are going to give us very full and very exciting baseball summers. And I think that, you know, both teams will be in the conversation for the postseason throughout. Um, I do think the Yankees are in a better position. Uh, they, look, I mean, they're, 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 they're you know, their lineup when they're healthy is is a pretty darn good lineup, and their rotation is intriguing. And I think their bullpen, you know, especially when you know, taking everybody back, um, will be, you know, will be formidable. But, uh, um, but I also think that they're by the fact that they get to play a lot of games against the Orioles, uh, get to play a lot of games against the diminished Red Sox, and I think that that's going to really help them.
0: Well, you said the operative word, health. Uh, Aaron Judge has not been completely healthy. Gary Sanchez. I mean, Sanchez started out the spring was on fire, but he's kind of petered out in, in the last week to 10 days. And I, I, I don't know. I've got a big question mark in my mind about sanchez and and if he's not the guy then what do you do
2: uh well you know that's 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 uh you know they 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 definitely decided to commit to him this year they could have they could have you know said enough with the gary sanchez experiment experiment but you know look it's only been it was only two years ago that he was you know in the conversation in the first half of the season for the mvp so that's you know it's not like he's had five straight seasons of desultory results i mean he was horrible last year i'm not sure how much you give any kind of cream to what happened last year whether it's you know overrating or underrating a player based on what they did last year um but uh you know it's, it's it's a big year for sanchez it's a big year for the yankees because the yankees have long believed that he is part of the foundation for the team for mm-hmm. a, long, a long stretch And look i mean your catchers aren't something you find every i mean you, you, you look what the mets have been doing trying to find you know, a reliable everyday catcher. I think they've got one now, but you know, those aren't the, you know that, that is not a position where you're going to have you know a, a surplus of of of, uh, of special talents. I mean, that's why you know someone like J.T. Realmuto is so is so coveted when he becomes a free agent because it's you know it's a it, 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 it's a premium position, and if you if you don't have that locked away like the Yankees thought they did. And, look, like the Yankees, you know, experience, you know, a wonderful stretch with Ori Posada. They didn't have to worry about the position because they had a guy like that, you know, or, you know to, 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 to rely on. Uh, you know, if when, when, when he fought they had a guy like that in Sanchez, if he's not. And, look, I mean, if he, Sanchez has to hit to make, to, to make him uh, worth the trouble because he's, at best, a mediocre catcher. And I think a lot of people would argue he's a lot worse than mediocre so if you're going to put up with him as a catcher every day he better be giving you outfits let
0: me uh before i let you go is there anybody that anybody in any team in new york has had that's better fit for this market than francisco lindor
2: no he's been fun to watch because he's embraced everything about you know new york everything about the big city i mean you know, he brings such joy uh, to, to, to the games every, every. you know, even in spring training. You can see how much fun he's having and how much fun his teammates have being around him. Um, you know, Look, I mean, you know, he's, he's not a guy we're unfamiliar with because we saw him play. It wasn't like he was tucked away in Anaheim or Oakland the last couple of years. He was in Cleveland. The Yankees played the Indians a lot, played the Indians in a lot of big games over the last couple of years. I mean, he's a terrific player to watch on the other team, um, you know, when he's on a team that, uh, that 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 people in New York are rooting for, like the Mets, I think they're really going to uh, appreciate him. I think they already do. I think they've already seen in spring training what he's capable of. I mean, he started out a little slow, but, I mean, the last, you know, I or 10 days, he's, you know, nobody can get him out. And you see just what he's capable of. And that's not even talking about, you know, how terrific a defensive player he is, which is. You know that's. I think you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting. The Mets fans seemed, you know, a little underwhelmed by their offseason uh, because I think a lot of them thought they were going to get, you know, they're going to just, just start, you know, plucking free agents off the table. George Springer and Trevor Bauer. They got none of those guys. Uh, but the fact is that they they got this guy, you know, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in an old fashioned way by making a trade. Uh, and I don't think they really necessarily know exactly what they had. Know until seeing him in spring training. I think they're starting to now, and I think once the games count for real and you really see him every day, I think he's definitely a player that you really appreciate every day that he's on your team because he does something every day that helps you win.
0: Do you think that they're going to sign him to a big deal before the season starts, or is that just a dream? I mean,
2: I think I, I, I do because I think it makes uh, I, I think it makes the most sense. Um, I mean, you know, assuming he's committed, and it sounds like he is, that he's not going to shape during the regular season, you know, they have, you know, exactly a week now to get this done before opening day. Um, and for, you know, forgetting that they, 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 you know, gave up a lot for him, you know, in terms of prospects, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the kind of matches the Mets want to send. Boy, I think, want to send. I mean, they want to, they want, they, they want you to know that, that business as usual, the way it was on the previous ownership is dead. And, you know, you know, they didn't send that message by, by, by signing a huge deal to a free agent this offseason. So Lindor, Conforto, Syndergaard, those are the guys that I think are going to be the, the new litmus test. And look, let's be very honest, I mean, it's not going it's, it's to affect Steve Cohen's way of life very much if he gives a $325 million contract to a shortstop. I mean, that's, you know, you can find that, you know, under the, uh, under the cushions of his couch. Um, so, you know, and, and he's a player that's going to be worth it. I don't think there's, you know, there's there, there sometimes I think a new guy can come in and other established players can say, well, what are, you know, where's mine? But I think that, you know, for one thing, I mean, uh, Jacob DeGrom is going to say, well, he's going to help me, you know, be even better in these next couple of years of my prime. You know, Michael Conforto is going to look at him and say, who's going to make me be better? Because he's going to make the lineup better. Same with the Pete Alonzo. Um, so I don't, he, you're not going to have a lot of arguments from other Mets
0: We began the conversation talking about lines from movies. You got to figure out a way to incorporate. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Got to figure out a way to work that in. <laughs> that's the uh,
2: that's really the quintessential movie line, isn't
0: it, Howard? <laughs> hey, I'm working on my, my on my impressions. Okay, it's a start. It's good
2: stuff. I like it. I like it a
0: lot. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Always appreciate it. You stay safe. Take care. You stay safe, also. Mike McCaro The New York Post. When I make him an offer, he can't refuse, which is more defining. A moment. The Godfather saying that, or Michael, when he kissed Fredo on the lips in Cuba, and said, "You broke my heart, Fredo." You knew that Fredo's days were numbered. And I kept yelling at the picture, kept yelling at the movie. Don't go in the boat, Fredo. Don't go in the boat. Wouldn't it be great if you could do that watching a movie? And you say stuff like that? Be great. Folks, stay safe. Have a great day. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live.